Welcome to the Pitch Vision Academy Cricket Show. This is half an hour or so of your guide to better cricket. Playing it, coaching it, whatever, we don't care. As long as you're helping yourself or helping others to improve the game of cricket. My name is David Hinchliffe. I look after things. And helping me to help you are two very fine cricket coaches. The first is the director of cricket at Millfield School. It's Mark Garraway. Hello, Garras. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Oh, absolutely fantastic. I'm, I'm watching the sun stream down on the West of Scotland Cricket Club outfield at the moment. It feels like the middle of the summer, um, but there's definitely no cricket going on, unfortunately. It's all finished. How's <laughs> the grass growing nicely? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's a bit of a potato field. We also had a, um, a softball six-a-side competition with the uh, Glasgow University. Nice. And so they've... Um, yeah, it, it was good. It was great. Loads of people there. Lots of people participating who hadn't played cricket before. But yeah, it's made a bit of a mess of the outfield. So the groundsman gets back from his holiday soon. I'm sure he'll be absolutely delighted to see that. <laughs> Secondly, it's the head of cricket performance at Portsmouth Grammar School. It's Sam Lavery. Hello, Lavers. How's it going? Very good. Thanks, David. Very well. Thanks. Let's talk uh, a little bit about um, success uh, later in cricketing life. Uh, one thing I've um, noticed has been talked about recently is uh, players who have got on the, uh, I, I think we can say the wrong side of 35, but have still had great success. There's quite a long list, especially batsmen, but uh, we'll also have left-arm spinners in the list as well with Herath and, and Gooch, Sangakara, Tendulkar, players who haven't let their age stop them being successful in it. And in quite a few cases, actually, they've done better uh, as they've got past 35 rather than uh, rather than worse. So what do you think that is all about? Do you think there's just a certain type of person who, who needs that extra time and suddenly it clicks for them a little bit later? Or is there some sort of magic trick that, they, that these people know that others don't? I think what these guys do at the age of 35 and after 35 is that they've obviously picked up a huge amount of experience and that experience is something that we don't have at you know 19 20 21 do we so uh, you look at somebody like uh, Kumar Sangakkara this year in in county cricket he's averaged way over 100 and basically he's used his passion for the game his his want to keep playing as long as he possibly can um, and allied that really with his experience that he's got to be able to manage himself at the, at the crease in the way that he does so we've got a lot of batters here haven't we in this list that you mentioned earlier we've got Harath who has done fantastically well as a spin bowler but now actually we've got somebody in Jimmy Anderson and I'm fascinated to see how Jimmy goes because he's somebody who's always looked after his conditioning somebody who has looked after his eating and his nutrition um, and now has, has gone past 35 he's got a huge level of skill but more importantly he's got fantastic levels of experience and still loves the game you know I can see Jimmy bar an injury going on for another two or three years and he's going to keep adding to wickets at the uh, rate of knots isn't he because his now that he's collected over the years is going to stand him in good stead so that's why people can be successful and, and lastly the strength and conditioning nowadays is, is getting really good you've only got to look at somebody like Ryan Giggs in the football world who was able to play up until 40 and that's because of the way that he's learnt and his uh, physios and his S&C coaches have learnt to manage manage the 
body. But if we take this into club cricket, you know, so many people do well after the age of 35 because they just understand how to go about their business. But you've got to have that enthusiasm for the game um, that's still there, even even towards, uh, you know, 35, 40 years of age. I guess enthusiasm is the key word, isn't it, Lavis, in that, you know, everybody slows down a bit the older they get, of course, that's, you know, that's bound to happen. But if you can make up for that in A, enthusiasm, and B, having that experience that Gareth was talking about, then you are in a in a strong position. And it's a bit of a cliche, isn't it, to say to uh, about people, or, you know, once they get past 30, you know, that's it, every, they're, on the, they're on the decline. But actually, you know, there's plenty of examples of if you can keep up that, fitness keep up that enthusiasm then you know that that decline is um, not necessarily there yeah that, that fitness element is obviously something that people need to keep to a degree and it's being able to keep your body allowing you to do what you need to do your job but 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 more so that um ability to offer something to the group and and that's if you think about those four or five six people we've got there um Every single one of them offers something to the people around them. None of them are selfish individuals, and you don't get many old, successful, and selfish cricketers at the same time. And there'll be the odd one along the way, but um, a lot of those guys are people who add value not only to by, by scoring runs, but add value to the team around them. Um, they bring on young cricketers. They're, they're leading a group, whether it's through captaincy or through just being a senior player. Um, and that kind of enthusiasm is the word you used or that kind of ambition to still keep going and to still keep improving um, and helping those around them is, is something that's going to make every coach want to keep them in the side as long as they possibly can do. And do you think you see sometimes people in people's enthusiasm grows as they get older rather than declining? I mean, you'd naturally think it does it does decline, but there, there must be some cases, especially I suppose around people who are at the top of the game, professional cricket, international cricket, who that enthusiasm just, you know, as they learn more and more things, they just get more and more enthused by the game and, and they want to learn more and do more and increase their skills in lots of different areas. Do you think that's a part of it? Yeah. I do think that's a part of it, and I think there's certain people that have got the mindset that they look, you know, they're so desperate to play as many games as possible. Inevitably, they're getting towards the end of their career, even if it's four or five years away. That they're working towards it, and they just try and make the most out of every opportunity that they have. And it's been really interesting watching Sangakara, you know, get out in his last year of first-class cricket, um, because you can see that that disappointment, knowing that he's only got X amount of first-class games, and it's never a decreasing number of first-class games ahead of him that he wants to make the best out of every single uh, opportunity he gets to walk to a wicket and um, uh, I think that's the thing that stands these guys apart that they, they're just hungry to get as much in before the inevitable does happen and they do have to hang their boots up And I guess the, the flip side of that coin is if you do feel that enthusiasm waning as you get older there's no harm in saying you know well that's it for me you know perhaps there's something else I can get enthused about in the game but maybe playing isn't the thing anymore and so that's why I guess you get people retiring at at, at all kinds of different ages from uh, professional cricket but also that's why you get people coming in and out of club cricket at different ages as they you know perhaps they they don't have the same enthusiasm because they've got other things going on in their life but then they might regain some enthusiasm when their own kids start coming through into the game so there's always there's always something isn't there if you look for it I think I think that happens a lot 
I think it happens a lot, doesn't it? Sorry, mate, just very quickly. Um, I've got a, a friend of mine that finished playing a number of years ago, and now his son's just got into playing, and he's around 13, 14, um, and he's playing in sort of third and fourth 11 cricket at a, a cricket club, and it's uh, encouraged the dad to start playing again. And the last weekend of the season, they actually batted together out in the middle, which uh, uh, probably didn't do the, the lad, you know, he didn't sort of make it as a bit of a milestone, but certainly dad did, and it's really re- reinvigorated his enthusiasm for the game, which has been great. They'll be, they'll be putting him in for a full season next year, then. <laughs> I don't know whether his body will be up for it, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, sure, uh, I'm sure he'll be <laughs> Sign him up. <laughs> uh, let's go on to some questions now. Uh, these are questions that have been sent in by listeners to the show or readers to the Pitch Vision website at pitchvision.com. And um, these couple of questions that we pick out every week, we do our best to answer them and then... We choose the best question of the week, which wins a prize of an online coaching course from Pitch Vision Academy at pitchvision.com. We'll tell you about how to get in touch with us towards the end of the show, but you can email coach at pitchvision.com if you want to get a question into us. And that's what Cameron's done. And Cameron says, I'm able to hit sixes against fast bowlers, but I end up skying the ball to medium paces. Have you got any tips? Also, where do I need to have my weight when I'm hitting big sixes? Forwards or backwards? Um, okay, right, I'll go, go with this one first up. Uh, so the reason why you're hitting big sixes to fast bowlers is because your contact point is, is um, more optimal. And when the medium pace has come on, uh, you're obviously chasing the ball a bit. And one of the things that has come out of baseball in particular, but now is being mirrored in cricket, is having the right launch angle off of the bat. So as well as swinging hard and having good bat speed, which we hear a lot of on the television, it's also about making sure that the ball goes off at the right angle when it's when it's coming off the bat face. And um, some of the research that's been going on it isn't dissimilar, and I know you're like this, David, to Daly Thompson's decathlon back on the ZX Spectrum that we talked about a couple of years ago, where you bash the buttons and then you press the launch button and the javelin or whatever goes, or in the long jump, and you tried to get to 45 degrees in that, if I remember rightly. That was the optimal jump. But the launch you're looking at between sort of 42 and 43 degrees, and that's very similar in the baseball world, and and, and it's being mirrored across now into into cricket as well. So so the medium pace that challenges you because you've got to allow that ball to come onto you, and often you make contact with the ball too early, and then the the launch angle increases too much, ball spends too much time in the air, and it gets lobbed down somebody's throat at, at deep mid off. So often when somebody hits at 42 to 43 degrees uh, launch angle off of the bat, they can actually mishit it and we see people like Chris Gale do this on a regular basis they actually mishit it but because their launch angle is good they still carry the distance to the boundary so um, that's something to, to work on just allow that ball to come onto you uh, even if it's coming through the air and off the pitch a little bit slower than the faster bowlers I, I saw a good thing on, on Twitter a good video on Twitter the other day it's only a short clip and it was a baseball uh, player and he was um, hitting the ball at um, 90 something miles an hour and hitting the ball at 82 miles an hour and they were overlaid over each other and the difference in the timing although the technique was very similar the difference in the timing was significant when when you see them sort of overlaid in front of each other as you can imagine at that at those at those difference in speeds 10 mile an hour or whatever it was so it kind of goes to show that even though you know you you're talking about sort of repeatable techniques and all those kind of things actually you've got to have within that repeatableness you've got to be able to adjust and you've got to be able to adapt to the ball otherwise 
if if you do exactly the same thing as you were saying, Gary, if you do exactly the same thing, you're going to get different outcomes at different paces. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And those things that we, we see, it gives us, you know, whilst it isn't cricket, it gives us a good context, doesn't it, that we can then apply into our into our own game and our own batting as well. So, yeah, always good to see that sort of cross-fermentation from, from different sports. And Lavers, what about the other part, the, the question about um, where the weight needs to be? Uh, well... Invariably, I'd always try and have that weight coming forwards. And I know some people like to lift their head or try and lean back a little bit because what they're thinking of doing is that's the best way for them to get underneath the ball and that's the best way for them to get up in the air. But I think if you think about what Garras was talking about there, which was contact point, if your weight's forward and you can manage that contact point effectively, then you're going to get the maximum power still through your shot and you're also going to be able to control that trajectory or launch angle. Um, so I'd be thinking try and get that weight forward as much as possible Um, there might be times when you feel like you haven't quite got the length right and so you have to adjust that body position slightly to try and get underneath the ball slightly so if that ball's a little bit fuller than you wanted and subsequently you think you're going to hit a bit flat you might want to try and do that just so you get a little bit more underneath the ball and and also you might be considering the amount of power you need so sometimes particularly in club cricket you could be on a very short straight boundary where just getting underneath the ball and getting it up in the air is going to work for you but on the whole try and keep that weight going forwards try and get the maximum power going back into the ball as you can as as, as possible and um, and that's going to get the the biggest range off the bat and hit those see those 80 90 100 meter sixes which we're all looking for and weight forward is one of those terms which you have to be a bit careful about, isn't it? Because it can mean different things to different people. And so if you if you sort of blanket, say, try and get your weight forward, that might sometimes give someone the wrong idea of what they're trying to do. Um, yes, you are trying to get your weight forward or you know, transfer your weight, I suppose, is another way of putting it. Um, but you've got to be careful about you know the difference between your head and your foot and all that kind of thing. And I'm not necessarily saying you need to go into great technical detail with people, but you have to be careful about the language that you use to make sure that you're getting the point across that you want to get across. Yeah, you still want to have that awareness, don't you, of what your method is, what works for you, and how how you transfer your weight or transfer your body position into the ball. So that comes down to the whole um, concept we've talked about a lot of times on here of, of what, what type of movement works for you and how you like to get yourself moving around the crease and how you can strike a ball down the ground so um, understanding your own game and what what works best for you is is what's going to kind of fit in into that gap there next question is from ben it's another batting question ben says i recently injured my right index finger and i'm out for the season i'd like to still try and work on my batting all i can think of is top hand drives. I'm just wondering if you had any other ideas. I'm a right-handed matsman, so I only have a good top hand. Yeah, I think you're on the right track, to be honest, with those um, one-handed drives. And also, the other thing I would say is just maybe change the type of balls that you're hitting as well. So the softer tennis balls or the um, normal tennis balls might be okay at certain stage of your rehab for you to apply your other hand onto a bat as well without you getting too many reverberations through the handle, which is obviously going to be uncomfortable. So at some stage, you'll be able to progress quite 
you know, into doing two-handed stuff or even some bottom-handed work in isolation as well. Um, but all based on your how quickly you're healing. But uh, using lighter balls can often take that that pressure away from the the break or the injury. So you, you're along the right lines there, really. The other thing is is just um, shadowing. You know, there's nothing wrong with doing some shadow batting. If you can repeat that over and over again, then that will be a good thing to do. Some mirror batting will will be all right. But uh, the top-handed work you're talking about is probably your starting point, and then introduce some lighter balls when your hand starts to recover. I guess the other thing uh, around that, Lavers, is not necessarily directly uh, related to um, batting technique or batting skill, but um, improving the sort of peripheral areas around where you are. You know, there's particularly the strength and conditioning, but, you know, lots of other areas around that you can work on that doesn't necessarily mean holding a bat and hitting a ball. Yeah, absolutely. Think about the other things that go on that, that make you a good batsman and part of that might be the strength and conditioning type stuff. Some of that might be your, your ability to run between the wickets. Some of that will be tactical. Um, simply putting yourself into the position as a coach is a great thing to do. So go in there as a batting coach and talk to your part, your your other batting partners about how they can go and attack different people and get different thoughts about it. Um, I remember having one one uh, one of the guys at school who had um, an injury and he was out for three or four weeks and it was right before the start of the season. Um, so what he'd do is he'd, he'd just get in behind the nets and just watch the bowlers and he'd talk to the batters from there and he'd say, oh, can you see when the bowler's bowling this way? Can you see how it comes out of his wrist differently? Always looking to change his release or he's changed his angle on the crease. So not only are you helping people around you, but you're challenging your thinking and their thinking. And you're also still watching the ball coming out of the bowler's hand as often as possible rather than having that layoff of three, four weeks or three, four months or whatever it might be before you then see a ball coming out of the bowler's hand again. So and if anything you can do around it that's going to minimise the drop-off you're going to have um, and, and part of that you might actually be able to add a lot to uh, um, add a lot to your game which you might not have been able to do if you were, you were too busy hitting balls. So um, there'll be opportunities that you can improve certain things um, and there'll be there'll be other things where you're just trying to minimise the the um, the drop off you're going to have, but definitely um, get as much top hand work done as you can because that's going to be useful anyway. But yeah, those things that surround batting, those things that are going to add to you and add to the team, are, are still things you can work on. Still things you can you can do even if you've got a bad finger. And it comes back, I suppose, to a bigger picture question about what kind of mindset you're in, right? If you say to yourself, oh, well, I'm injured, you know, it's all gone horribly wrong. That's um, that's one way you can interpret what's happened. But that is an interpretation. It's not. The only thing that's happened is that you've injured your hand. So you can interpret that any way you want. And if you could see that as an opportunity to do things that you wouldn't normally do, then that suddenly becomes a totally different way of perceiving things and saying to yourself, well, you know, instead of it being a waste or or something which is bad, you can say, okay, it's something which isn't particularly helpful, but I can use it as an opportunity to do something which is going to help me in the long run. And I, I, I guess that's where people who say that they're lucky as well, you hear that a lot, don't you? I was lucky, you know, I, I uh, I broke my leg. I was so lucky because you know it could have been a lot worse. Um, or you say I broke my leg. I was uh, you know that was really unlucky. I broke my leg. You know because I'm out for the season. It's it's, it's one of those uh, wider things that we often talk about around mindset and saying, well, you don't want to just be positive endlessly for no reason, but you can interpret the things that happen to you in a certain way, which helps you get better in the long run. Absolutely. One, one thing I'd throw in as well, David, is, is just um, set yourself out a challenge. How about if you came back in, 
six months' time, seven months' time, however long the layoff's going to be, and when you come back, you can throw with your left hand. That would be that would be amazing. So you come back and people hey, yeah, see you, and, and you're a better cricketer straight away because you've got this incredible skill you can pick up and throw both hands. So you don't even have to touch on your batting, but that would enhance you as a cricketer no end if you've got the ability to just throw within the ring or just throw within that 15-yard circle or just improve that ability there that you can get a ball in with your left hand. That would be an enormous addition to something, and it's, and it's something you can do completely um, you can train yourself up really nicely regardless of how, how bad that, that index finger is on the other hand. You, you'll have the opportunity to make some enormous strides forwards there. So set yourself out of challenge. doesn't have to be that, but something like that and, and see if you can really commit to it and see if you can change yourself as a, as a cricketer into, into something more productive by the time you return. And that is all we've got time for on the show this week. We are going to head off in a moment, but before we do that, we just have one more important thing to do, and that's decide on the winner of this week's competition, the online coaching course from Pitch Vision Academy at pitchvision.com. And the two questions on offer this week are Cameron's question about hitting sixes and Ben's question about his injured hand and uh, getting around that problem. Which one did you prefer this week, Garris? Well, I love I love power hitting. I love coaching power hitting. But this week I'm going to go for Ben because uh, hopefully our answers are going to help him get through this tough time, uh, but also come out the other side as a better and more informed cricketer as well. And Gareth, if someone was listening to the show and were thinking to themselves, I wouldn't mind having my question answered and maybe even winning that prize. How could they get in touch with us? They could give us a call on 0203 239 7543 or drop us an email on coach at pitchvision.com. That's right. There are other ways to get in touch with us. Um, you can send us a message using the system, the messaging system at pitchvision.com. Feel free to do that. We're uh, Pitchvision Academy on there. That's our account there. Uh, if you want to get us on Facebook, we're facebook.com slash pitchvisionacademy. And our Twitter is at pitchvisionacad. If you want to listen to the show every week, you can do that quite easily as well. Just go to your favorite podcast app, do a search for Pitch Vision Academy. You'll find us in there. It comes out every Friday, so you can subscribe for free. And if you want to go to the website to get any of the old shows, to stream the show, to download the show onto your device or get all the old show notes and lots of other articles and things going on there as well, head over to pitchvision.com slash academy and click on the podcast link for all the details. That's all for this week. We hope you listen next week. But until then, have a good week. Cheers, Gareth. Cheers, Lavis. Cheers, fellas. Thanks, guys.